Welcome back to Tag Up with LT. I'm your host, LT. Today's podcast guest is Kelly Hausman, who is a licensed professional counselor who specializes in acceptance commitment therapy, as well as cognitive behavioral therapy. Kelly and I have a big talk today around our personal journey, addressing the stigmas around therapy, and some of the best practices to improve your mental health. Kelly is a huge advocate of mental health and is passionate about reaching as many people as she can to make it mainstream as she believes it's never too late to change. I always say therapy is the greatest gift you can give yourself and Kelly offers up some ideas on how to make it accessible for all that may need the help, but not necessarily the financial means to do so. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and hope you do too. Enjoy. Well, welcome to the podcast. Today, I have Kelly Hausman, who is a licensed professional counselor, a mental health advocate. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me and giving me an excuse to get away from my children for an hour or so. You are the best. (laughs) Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you making the trek out here tonight. But today we have, I'm calling it a big talk today because our topic is around mental health, specifically um, we're going to get into therapy, your journey in life, and all that good stuff. So Great. how are you doing in terms of you know the fatigue, if you will, over the last several years? How are you doing? Sure. So on a professional level, my practice has never been more full. So if that kind of gives you a state of mind of America right now, the world right now, there were more people seeking mental health over the pandemic than I've I've ever seen, even from groups that typically don't seek therapy like men. So professionally, I was the busiest I've ever been. And of course, you know, trying to help everyone, you can't do that. So kind of led to a little bit of burnout for me. And now, especially going into a new year, trying to find that elusive work-life balance. And that's been something I've been really working on because it's hard Again, we want to help everyone. I tried to do that, and now I'm finally being able to take a little bit of time for myself. And yeah, things are really good. It, I struggled too during the pandemic and, and still going through it. It's been definitely trying with little kids at home. My yeah. husband being a little bit home more than he particularly is on a given year. Okay. Uh, so it's been hard for everyone. You know, Even as a therapist, it's not easy. I don't have all the answers, and I'm still kind of trying to figure it out right along with with everyone else. But life is good, healthy, happy. So I really can't complain. That's good. This is totally random. But do therapists see other therapists for their issues? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. I, have, I know it's so random, yeah. but I'm like thinking, did you ever see that Frasier episode where he's like a, a psychiatrist and he's like, I got to go see my therapist about yeah. that. It's so important. Actually in grad school, they really encouraged us that if we didn't have a therapist or had never been through therapy, to go. It was almost a requirement for us just because knowing what it's like on the other side of it is important. But two, like we are human. We all have our own things. And mm-hmm. I'm such a proponent of therapy. I am living proof that it works. I've done it myself for years. So absolutely. I think all of my therapist friends, we all have our own therapist. Really? Our, uh, okay. Yes, for sure. Listen, I'm a big proponent of therapy myself. Mm-hmm. I've been in in and out of therapy several times when, you know, life gets tough and all of that good stuff. You know, why do you think there's such a stigmatism around therapy and mental health in your opinion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is just such a stigma around having 
something to be wrong with you. But really in my practice, I see very high functioning people. There's always something to talk about, whether it's from childhood or current relationship problems or how you want to plan for your future. Everyone can benefit from it. And it doesn't mean there's something wrong or you're going to be labeled or diagnosed with anything. It just means that you need a human being with compassion and that's going to give you some time to talk. We don't really get that much in real life. So it's important. Yeah. And I definitely feel like you need to be open to it and listen. And hopefully your therapist can provide you with like tools and resources to help you cope with the challenges you might be facing or obstacles you might be facing in life. Yeah. And that's what I I will often refer to therapy as uh, talking to the parent that you wish you would have as a child. Mm. And again, a lot of times when we are talking to our friends or venting to our family, people want to jump in and give you advice or Mm -hmm. offer you suggestions or, you know, they don't really listen. So therapy is the one time in your life where you get an hour to talk to someone who's actually legitimately interested in helping you. They're going to listen. They're not going to interject. They're not going to judge you. And I mean, it's the best feeling ever walking out of a a session. Yeah. I know. Even sometimes just going in, you're like dreading it, Mm -hmm. but then when you're done, you feel so much better. Yeah. I always say that like therapy is like the like best gift you can give to yourself. It is. If you have the means to do it, because it is very expensive. And hopefully if you work for an employer, you can look to see if they offer any type of behavioral benefits are always something I look for yep. when I'm like researching a company or organization. So how did you get started um, in your journey to becoming um, a licensed professional counselor? Sure. So in my teen years, I had seen a couple of different therapists and I knew that there was such power in being able to see life outside of a 16-year-old brain. <laughs> and it really inspired me. And I, I knew one day walking out of my therapist's office, I said, I want to do this as a career one day. I want to come to this office. Interestingly enough, I went the business route for undergrad. I did, oh, did business you? communication. Oh, I where'd knew, you go? I was at Rochester College okay. in Rochester, Michigan. Yeah. So I did that for a couple of years, worked for an investment banker, and then I just realized this is not what I want to do. So my husband and I moved to New York, and he was really busy during residency. And I was like, okay, I need something to fill my time. So I decided to go to grad school for uh, my master's in mental health counseling. Uh, I did that while working as a nanny in the city, and it was awesome. And then, yeah. Yeah, here I am. And I've had my own private practice for almost six years now. Wow. And it's been amazing. Yeah, quite the journey. Lots of self-discovery, lots of amazing people I've been able to work with and hear their stories. And yeah, that's kind of brought me to where we are today. Now, I feel like I saw something somewhere. Did your mother study as well as the same time as you? Yes. Funny enough. So my mom was a starting college as I was finishing. So we had a couple overlapping <laughs> classes. Okay. And- <laughs> no way. And you guys studied the same thing? Yeah. She has the same degree as me. Uh, we took a couple classes, had to do some group projects and presentations together. It's actually hilarious. And, That's yeah. hysterical. <laughs> I was funny. wondering what that experience was like for you. Interesting. Yeah. If you can't tell, I was very sheltered as a child. <laughs> to go to, you know, my mom went to college with me, but yeah, it was an interesting experience. Really cool. Not a lot of people can say that. And it's kind of a fun fact. What is the definition of mental health in your opinion? Just like kind of a baseline to set the audience up and really what type of therapy do you practice? I know there's a couple different ones specifically. Yeah. So I feel like mental health, this is a saying that I say all the time, unless you are a robot or on some really good drugs, you are not (laughs) going to be happy your entire life. So a lot of people think that mental health is just like walking around happy, loving life. That's great. Not realistic. No one is going to be happy all the time. That's not how life works. That's not how being a human being works. 
So I believe that mental health is being okay with who you are, with where you are, with what's going on. Maybe you don't love it, but you are okay with it. You believe in yourself. You know you can rise to challenges. So that's how I view mental health. If I can get people to a place where they feel good about life, they're okay with themselves, and kind of just living your best life. That's what I I really feel like it is. And in my particular practice, I love acceptance commitment theory. Uh, A lot of that is kind of what I just said. You almost accept the fact that being human, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be sad. You're going to have some irrational thoughts, but it's how you work through that and what's on the other side of that 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 really matters. So I I love that. And I also love cognitive behavioral therapy Mm, too. So mm -hmm. it's kind of retraining your brain. That's the therapy I had, cognitive Mm -hmm. restructuring. Yep of just negative thoughts inflicted back on myself. So almost like the mind controlling the body versus the body controlling the mind. Exactly. Right? Yep. Yep. Knowing that you are in control and your feelings are not See, it did work. It does. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yep. It totally does. It's great. Yeah. It was very interesting. It was very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So those two. And then just really listening to people being there and, you know, meeting people with where they're at. Different Different things for different folks. Yeah, different strokes for yeah, different say, folks, yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you talked a little bit about the pandemic fatigue mm-hmm. and how it's at an all-time high mental health in general. Is there any like common themes or behaviors you've seen with your clients over the last years that have kind of come up that maybe you haven't seen before? Or is it more or less the anxiety, the depression, the loneliness, people that are in their homes, working by themselves and have no one surrounded by them. Like, what what do you see? Yeah, for sure. A lot of isolation for those who are Mm -hmm. home alone. I have a lot of clients that are trying to actively work on finding a partner and dating. And that has been really, really difficult the Mm. past two years. Mm -hmm. Um, So the isolation and on the other side of that too, the relationship, you don't really realize how maybe your partner annoys you until you are spending two years home, working from home. And a lot of that has come up. A lot of even really strong couples were tested over the past couple of years when you spend that much time. And especially if you're isolated in a small space, you don't have a lot of outlets. That's been tough. And for me personally too, lots of clients being a control freak. I like to plan. I like to have my my planner filled out, my calendar filled out. We can't do that. I mean, we can do it a little bit more now, but a couple of years ago, we had no idea. And right. not being able to really like plan for the future is so hard and it causes more anxiety. So lots of anxiety, isolation, depression, and just strong emotions coming up in general. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see and feel some of those. Yeah. <laughs> everyone did. Right. Yeah, absolutely. In your opinion, what are some of the best practices for improving your overall mental health? Maybe you're a mother with twins and you know, you're trying to navigate that, or maybe you're at college and you're navigating your college or whatever it might be. Do you have any tips and tricks just for generalization? Sure. Yeah. A lot of people, myself included, have a hard time putting yourself first whether it's before your children or your partner or your job, it just doesn't feel right. So I will often suggest at least put your needs equal to your kids, equal to what you give your employer. Because the reality is if we don't chill out and get some of our physical and mental health and symptoms under control, our body's eventually going to revolt and we're going to get sick and we are going to have to stop. So the ideal is to not get to that point. So whatever it means for you, and I know self-care, I almost hate the word self-care. It's, I like, know. it's all, it's everywhere. It's such a buzz where people are just like, it, you roll your eyes now. So whatever that means for you, if you need to take more time to whatever it is, watch Real Housewives or to work out or to, you know, get some time away for yourself. 
make sure you're doing it or, or go into therapy, vent to someone, like get it out of your head and into the universe. And you're going to feel so much better. It's toxic holding all of that stress in and the anger it's going to come out. So kind of finding a way to release a lot of that before the blow up is just vital. <laughs> or the blow up just happens. True. Yeah. And then you feel terrible. <laughs> and then you have, you know, it's the, a shitty day and then, yeah. then you wake up in the morning, it's a new day. Exactly. And you're like, oh my God, I hate how I acted yesterday. And then it's just like a snowball effect. So yeah, you got to get that shit under control or else it'll control you. I feel like I was watching a news segment of you and, and they have these rooms now where you go and like break things yes. or something. The rage room. The rage yes. room. Oh my God. Do we recommend that? That seems a little dangerous to me. Well, that's what I was trying to say. It's such a, like, if you want to have a fun night out with your friends and like build some social skills, go for it. I really wanted to make sure people did not think that rage rooms are a substitute for therapy whatsoever, especially if someone has an angry streak or violence. Like, right. no, 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 let's, let's not do that. But again, go do something fun, social. I kind of want to do it. They asked me to film there, but my kids were sick, so I couldn't go. So I'll go smash stuff another day because it sounds fun. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, okay, that's interesting. So I know, I know we talk about self-care practices Mm. and there's just so much out there nowadays. I mean, I even have my own like ritual and wellness situation I got going on just so I'm like, you know, mentally aligned with myself for Mm -hmm. that day. What do you do? What, do you have any daily rituals that you do yourself that gets you in that that mental mind frame that you need to not only serve yourself, but serve your clients, serve your family? Yeah. First of all, I love trashy reality TV. Do like, you? That's a mindless escape for me. Okay. Give me some Real Housewives. That's like my <laughs> decompression time. Which one's your favorite? Um. Oh my gosh. I love Beverly Hills. I love Beverly yes, Hills Yes. I love too. New York because we used to live there. I mean, I'll watch any any, any location, any so, location. Yes. Yeah. And also to exercise is huge for me. That's truly how I've kept my sanity with kids that haven't slept through the night in six years. It's how I, it just really, God really helps. You. I know it's, it's the only way I've survived. It really, if I did not have working out, I would not be able to function as a wife, as a mom, um, as a therapist. So yeah, definitely those things. And love it. Some downtime. It's <laughs> vital. Yes. Housewives. Yes. Give me, give me. Are you still into the boy bands? Oh yes. I, (laughs) I mean, I know you girl, I know you love a nineties boy band that I do. I mean, what are, what are, are we a backstreet Boys? I do not discriminate when it comes to a nineties boy band. Okay. I am going to see new kids on the block twice this summer. I love new kids so on I the block. I cannot wait. They are the best concert I've ever been they to. They really are delicious. Oh They're fantastic. Are you going? I've gone to a couple of them, but I don't know. I might have to, I might have to call some connections. Oh, yes. You better get some tickets and you'll see me there front row. I love my boy bands. And that's the thing too. Like a lot of people will kind of like make fun Music. of me for that. Yes. I'm like front row. I think I got embarrassed and like raise the roof and then like Jordan Knight raised the roof and I feel like I can die happy now. But it's yeah, even stuff like that, like that can be self-care. Like do you like <laughs> totally whatever? and like people will like roll their eyes or make fun of it. But honestly like anything that's an escape from reality. I mean the other thing is too, and this comes up a lot in session is phone addiction, social media addiction. Oh yes. yes. Um, I will say the obsession around all of that good stuff, I'm yeah. sure. Yep. Uh, that's an escape for me too, though. And yeah. I always say like, the, you know, we view like social media as the devil, but it doesn't have to be like the, me. Like if my kids are going really insane, I need to leave the room and just like scroll through Instagram. It, it calms me down. Or like mm-hmm. if I'm on Facebook or whatever, just like looking on a message board, that helps me to take care of myself too. Like, yeah. again, it's that fine line between like 
that addiction and that escape, but it's a great way for me to just kind of like, Ooh, okay. And then I come back and I'm better. Yeah. Okay. So let's rate new kids on the block, Mm -hmm. backstreet boys, O town, 98 degrees. Who, who are, who's our favorite, I guess our most favorite to least favorite. I know. And I saw all four of them in concert before COVID. Am I forgetting anybody else? Well, NSYNC doesn't tour, so we can't really add them. Oh, NSYNC. I mean, like... How could I forget them? I know. Gosh, okay. So New Kids are definitely the best. Okay. Hmm. 98 Degrees, probably second. They put on a hell of a show. Then Backstreet Boys. And then O-Town. They're great. But wasn't as like pizzazzy, I suppose, as the other three. Well, yeah, you know, the, the other place is probably a little bit bigger budget. Yeah, it was a smaller venue, more right? intimate, more but intimate. yes, yeah. So first of all, I really respect the work that you do because, I mean, I think it takes a special person to have that much compassion and love and just help others in that in their aspect of their lives. And clearly, mm-hmm. your practice yep. is thriving. So how do you manage like turning off your work after a session with a client? You know, I mean, listen, I'm crying at a Hallmark movie. Okay. I'm crying at a card. So there's no way this body could do what you do. So I'm just curious, how do you detach yourself from those, those conversations? You know, does it sit with you or do you throw some sage around your room and then (laughs) like, how do, how do you, you know, get out of that? Mm -hmm. What do you do? How do you do that as a therapist? I'm curious. So it's interesting. I almost feel like I become a different person when I'm doing a session with someone. And I kind of call it like putting on my therapist hat. And Mm. so in that session, I'm still myself. I'm still authentic. But I'm really acting as the role of a therapist. Mm. I'm not there as a friend, as a family member, or like super connected to the person. And I usually get myself, especially if it's a heavier case with a lot of trauma or something that I will give myself a little bit of time to think about the client. I used to do this when I had an office, I would drive home and I would give myself the drive home to really kind of think about this and what I had heard and process it. Now I'll give myself a couple minutes after the session if it was really heavy. And then I truly like even visualize taking off the hat and putting the hat on the shelf. Mm. And then I put my mom hat back on, my wife hat, my friend hat. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going back into a different reality. So it's really like going from one person to another. And I don't ever forget about the clients. I still remember every single client, every single story, but it, you, you have to have that separation or else like we, especially as therapists, I'm such an empath. I yeah. absorb all of that. I, and just, I, I just like it, it would gut you. So yeah, I just, I take that hat off and then I'm like, okay, reality. I'm mom now. I'm not a therapist anymore. Sometimes it'll creep in, but a lot of the times I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing life and therapy as being different things. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, that visually taking mm-hmm. on and on. Cause I'm like, I don't know how these people yeah. do it when you hear these stories. I mean, and if, I remember when I went to my first therapy session, it was like in my late twenties, I was a hot mess express. Oh yeah. I was literally just crying the whole time. Mm-hmm. I mean, people do. Yeah. I couldn't get my shit together. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm more poised and yeah. you know, more, more well, like <laughs> yes. self-aware of myself so yeah. many years later, but it was like terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would just sob. Yeah. It's yeah. And, and some people do, some people come in and they just cry and then they always apologize for crying. And I'm like, look, if there is one place that is safe to cry, it is your therapist's office. Like, please get a tissue. You're good. Keep it going. I know we talked a little bit about the conversation around of the obsession with social media and tracking yeah. and all of that. Do you see this trend happening or not? Like, I don't know what your clientele is in terms of generation, you mm-hmm. know, like, are we, what are they called now? Gen A's? I have no idea. 
I don't even know. All Does I know it start that, over after Gen Z? Does it go to Gen A? I think so. I don't even <laughs> I don't know. know. Mostly because I, I'm guilty of this too, you know, just building an engaged audience and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like I'm like, oh, do I have any engagement in these insights? You know, I'm yeah. not obsessive about it, but I do look at well, it. Yeah, it's important to know like who's connecting with you. Right. And I would say generally the people that I see in my practice are probably between like 20, mid 20s to mid thirties, but I've seen people on all ends of the spectrum. I've seen as young as like 19, okay. um, as old as 60. So it's, it's across the board, but I would say mostly young adult women, especially, and this comes up all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's not just like my college students, it's, okay. you know, older, older adults, moms, it, it's, it's really running rampant. And I think the problem is we've kind of lost touch of reality. And so we have this expectation in our head of like, okay, I have to look like this perfect image or whatever it is. And like, Clearly, no one's going to ever, ever measure up to that because it's not, it's not real. But it still doesn't stop us from, from doing that. And then we start feeling like shit. And so the biggest thing I have to combat that is like when you're scrolling through and all of a sudden you, st- you see something that's like really bringing up strong feelings in you, being aware enough to know that like, okay, this is not, not serving me right now. Close the app, get out of it, and then try to think about, okay, what, why did that make me feel like that? What is it bringing up in me? Is it, is it something about insecurity of maybe body image or I want something that someone else has? Lots of, and that's something that's great to deal with a therapist too. Like mm-hmm. if you're constantly going through social media and just feeling like crap about yourself, Maybe dive into that and be like, okay, because I want people to better themselves. Like, let's let's figure out what that's bringing up in you and and move forward with that. But it's hard, man. Yeah, like the comparison game. It is. Yeah, yeah. And I've worked with you know famous bloggers and models and fitness models and stuff. And let me tell you, like, no one has their shit together. Life is perfect. They all have their struggles too. I mean, I I hear it in therapy. And so even these girls that have perfect feeds still struggle with their own demons. We're all human. So keeping that in mind too, like no one, no one's life is perfect and um, it's brutal out there. I'm glad I didn't grow up with that because I think it was tough being an insecure, ugly duckling growing up without social media. I can't imagine, especially how teenage girls are doing it now. It's going to be, I think, a real challenge uh, going forward too. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. That learned behavior. Mm I know we're trying to get away from that. You know, we're all about body positivity, yep, yep. or as I like to call body irrelevant. Yes. You know, yeah, I love that. That's, that's one of the greatest things to come out of that too. And that's the thing, like we often use social media for the devil. So that is the, the negative side of it. But there's also, like you said, like those body positive accounts, there's mm-hmm. plus size models yeah. there. You can find anyone, uh, a normal person. And it's, that's the great thing too. You just have to really curate your feed. So it's inspirational to you. If something is making you feel like shit, if you're comparing yourself, if even if it's like a friend from high school who you're like, Oh, I hate their life. I don't unfollow, you know, yeah. follow something else that, that makes you feel good, whether it's a dog account or a vacation <laughs> account or whatever, you know, like put some feel good stuff in there. Yeah. We, we already feel like shit enough. Like if we're scrolling through socials and it's making us feel worse, like we got to, we got to switch that up. No, totally. So I was reading an article in um, good housekeeping mm-hmm. and they were talking about research around psychedelic medicines. Do you have any like thoughts on that specifically? I know they're using this like compound from fungi or mushrooms, mm-hmm. if you will. And they're like treating, I don't even know how to like mental health people. Yeah. I mean, do we believe in this? I mean, it sounds a little wild in terms of helping people's mental health by using illegal drugs at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. And is there anything behind that? Do you believe in the science of it? Yeah. I I definitely want to see more research. I have a couple of friends and colleagues who are actually really just involved in specifically psychedelic medications. A couple of them are, are, 
utilizing it with Alzheimer's. A couple of them are just general mental health, severe, profound. So I think the jury's kind of still out on that. And I think eventually this is going to kind of become one of those things that becomes destigmatized because if, if we can find uses for this, I think it's incredible. Interestingly enough, so this comes up in practice with marijuana use. Mm. So until it was just recently legalized here. And so prior to that, when our clients would come in and say like, you know, I have to smoke weed to sleep at night or to help my anxiety, you know, what could you say? Like, okay, I'll support you, but it's illegal. And so now, especially as a clinician, it's like, okay, now it's legal. So what do we do with that? And there's such a gray area right now with the psychedelics, with the alternative drugs. I'm always like, okay, you know, I'm open to anything. I want to see some more research on it, but I think it's, it's interesting. So I'm curious to see where the field goes, but I definitely think it's going to probably start trending that way and perhaps away from some of the pharmaceuticals to to that. I work alongside a lot of really great psychiatrists that I refer to clients to all the time. So it's a great team. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? There you go. (laughs) I know there's so much out there in terms of resources and stuff like that. And now I see like even apps, right? Like therapy apps where Mm -hmm. you can call in, not call. I don't even know what they are. They're probably online, if you will. Do you have any recommendations that maybe somebody can't afford therapy because their health insurance doesn't cover it Mm -hmm. or anything external that can, that can help support somebody that might not have accessibility to some of those things? Do you have any recommendations? So a lot of major universities, if you live nearby a major university, many times they will have a very low cost community clinic where maybe it's a doctorate level or a master's level clinician in training, still in school, will see you. I believe Oakland University has one kind of by us. So definitely look into any universities that have uh, psychology or counseling programs. Many times they will offer a clinic like that. There's also a place called Open Path Collective. That's an incredible resource as well. It's licensed professionals. And I believe that their sessions are from 35 to $65 per session. Oh, wow. And it's literally for people that, that can't afford traditional mental health. Maybe they don't have coverage. They don't have the funds. That's an amazing program too. So I always, if people are having financial difficulties, will recommend those two places. And between either of them, you should be able to get some help with that and those are um, great, great resources. Yeah. That's a great idea. What about mentors? I know I, I've talked to a therapist in the past and she always expressed that you know, when you're doing your, you're going, you're studying, you get your license, you're doing your clinicals and all that good stuff, but there's really no formal mentoring Mm -hmm. in terms of like how you transition from, you know, the clinical to, you know, your practice. Mm -hmm. Do you have any mentors that you utilize that you've met along the way that kind of helped you along? Yeah. So when we are in grad school, we have to do an internship and a practicum and we have supervisors. So I've had the privilege to have some really great supervisors that kind of led me through this, especially as a student. And even after graduating, when we are on our own, we have to meet for supervision. So I've had some awesome supervisors post-grad too. And really my own therapist, I swear I base a lot of how I interact with my clients on that. Mm. She's taught me more than I think she will ever know. I am eternally grateful for her. So absolutely, I kind of use her as a role model and she's amazing. And she, even though I already graduated my program when I started seeing her, she kind of made me the clinician who I am now. That's so awesome. I, I owe a lot to her. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. What are you most proud of in your career so far? Uh, I mean, I feel like you're just getting started. I know. You know what? It's only up from here. Uh, it's like, I feel, were you, were you a licensed professional when I met 10 years ago or were you just like finishing up? Uh, you were so, back here. 
Yes. I got pregnant. I had my son. And then he was about six months old. I started my practice. So I don't think so. When we had met, no. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. I had, because we're, I'm almost seven years now. Six okay. Years, yeah. Six years in my practice. Yeah. So no, I, I, I had my license or I had my uh, degree, but I didn't do the hours for a license or gotcha. do my practice or anything. So, but most proud of now is just being able to reach so many people. I've had the unique ability to really use social media I've had a mental health podcast. I've done a lot of news segments. I've been blessed to be able to do a lot of keynote speeches and conferences and stuff. So that to me is the best thing, like taking mental health mainstream, talking about therapy, talking about how it's okay to be human. You don't have to be perfect. And just being able to reach people and get some of the feedback that I've gotten absolutely makes this worth it. And to kind of do that on a bigger scale is incredible. I still get nervous every single time I do any kind of speech or news segment or whatever. And I'm or, like, oh, why? Or, or this podcast. Honestly, yes. Like, anything I did gets too. me nervous. I, I get, am a nervous person. Me too. Me yes. too, sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like just kind of pushing yourself and you realize what you're made of when you do scary things. And again, I get really good feedback and to be able to talk about mental health on a a bigger scale is just incredible. So anytime I can, I'm nervous. I probably want to puke beforehand, but it's, it gets done and I'm proud of myself when it's over. I know. And I love that aspect of you because you walk the walk and talk the talk, you know, you're like a really huge advocate for mental health. And then it just translates over to your work as well, which is like authentic and awesome, you know, to see. So thank you. Yeah. I believe in it. I mean, I always say like, I've been on the other side, like Mm -hmm. I really believe in therapy. That's why I do what I do. And so I, I hope that it, it comes across like that. So thank you. Yeah. What advice would you tell your younger self 10, 20 years ago, looking back? That people are not caring about you as much as you think they are. I was very self-conscious growing up. Definitely especially being tall. I hated being tall. I didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, I worried about being accepted. And so I would try to change myself to fit in so someone would like me. And I would just tell her that like things are going to be great. You are going to be confident. You are going to get out of your shell. You will get to a point where you can make your own choices in life and you don't give a shit about what people think. And a lot of people are like, I'm so afraid to get old or like, you know... I used to think 30 was old and now I'm like, Oh my God, it's so young. But I think like the, one of the blessings of getting older is like, you stop caring what people think you about do. you. And I that agree. is truly one of the biggest blessings of aging. And so that's what I'd tell her. I'd be like, all right, this matters a lot now, you know, in your twenties, but it, it's not going to matter. You're not going to care as much anymore. So that's definitely the advice I would say. Like it gets better. Yeah. I know. I always feel like back, you know, 10, 20, 10, 15 years ago, just, I didn't feel like present in my life. Yep. You know, I was just like, career, working, trying to find a partner, society pressures. Like I was just like spinning, you know? I just want to tell that old girl, like, just relax. Everything's going to work out. Exactly. Yeah. And you're not going to give a shit about any of this. Exactly. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Yeah. And like you, yeah, this eventually will end. And yeah, there's such freedom in, in just getting older and more confident and totally it's the best. It's like, a new season. Yeah. Every decade. It is. Yeah. You can, that's the thing too. Like, and I, that actually comes up in my practice a lot. You're, it's never too late to change. No. Whether you want to change your career, go back to school, cha- break up, start dating again, move somewhere, go on vacation. Like it's never too late to start over. It's never too late to change. I know in grad school, I had people probably close to 60 starting a new career. It's never too late. Yeah. There's always, you're never really trapped unless it's by your own mind. So it, there's always a way out. Everything is figure outable. You can always make changes. Totally. You have the power to do it. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Where can people find you? Sure. So my website is kellysreality.com. 
And on there, you can find a lot of self-help articles. My yes. Prior. You have a ton of beautiful blogs out Thank there you. that are incredible resources. Yeah. And there's really everything from anxiety to pandemic to taking a better selfie for confidence. Like I really cover everything, all of my old podcasts. I do some interviews with celebrities who talk about their mental health and how they got to where they are. My news, my news segments are on there. So it's a little bit of everything. We got to get the podcast up and running. Again. I know. We're just talking about that. <laughs> Kelly's reality. When I started my podcast, I reached out to her immediately. I was like, Kelly, I need help. I have no idea what I'm doing. What do you got for me? And you were so kind and so sweet. Yeah. No, this looks amazing. You have definitely better equipment than I ever could dream of. So <laughs> you, the student has become the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's a, it's a lot of work and effort, it you is. know, yeah. but it's fun too. Well, but maybe I do miss it. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe it's like once a month. That's the thing. Yes, it was. The you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like once a week is intense. It's a lot. That's yeah. why I do all the pre-recording and then I do all the editing and then I can just knock it out every week. Yeah. You know, but like, yeah, maybe once a month. I think know? so. That would be doable. And then you have like a big talk. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You might have inspired me. Yeah. I can, listen. I'll come over. I'll bring my stuff. I was going to say, if you can right? bring your equipment, like yes, you can be my co-host. We'll like do this together. It could happen. It you could. never know. Yes, we're going to manifest that right now. There we go. Well, thank you so much for coming on and Thanks talking about all things therapy, mental health. Yeah, and I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks so much.